1: on the Best Show Ever podcast. This week, I bring you my conversation with two multi-instrumentalist Hellion harmonizers from Charleston, South Carolina, Michael Trent and Carrie Ann Hurst, who for the last decade have crisscrossed the globe performing as the one and only Shovels and Rope. Now of course normally I would share a song by our featured guest that was their own, but Shovels and Rope is celebrating a new kind of covers record experiment that just dropped this month. And before you roll your eyes, let me tell you, when Michael and Carrion attempt something as strange as a kind of, sort of, kids album that covers R.E.M. talking about how everybody hurts, it's a little bit like saying, Jimi Hendrix will be opening for the Monkees wearing a tailored tuxedo with his hair nicely quaffed. It's both true, and it happened, but there's a bit of a twist. As you could probably tell from the howling, stomping banger of a Janis Joplin cover I just played a bit of featuring longtime indie rock darlings Deer Tick, this new Busted Jukebox Part 3 collection they are putting out tries to capture the spikier, darker parts of your youth that maybe you forgot to romanticize. Like how to cope with being isolated and not having any friends, seeing your first dead person, not knowing how to control your emotions or your lust or your need to break things. I don't know about you, but despite my relative happy childhood back at Chicago, deep down, I was an angsty and ambitious, pretentious, loud, and sometimes insensitive kid who laughed at the kids in my artsy school who protested the invasion of Iraq, who didn't bully kids, but didn't help when anyone was being hurt, either. From the moment I could get on a stage under some bright lights, I did. I was a show-off. I was the kind of kid who thought his innate talent and charisma and creative cojones would propel him instantly like a rocket ship into the world of literary or musical or cinematic success. And while I projected a smooth, youthful confidence to my friends and family, Deep down. I was questioning myself every day. I recall writing in my journal at 17, with much bitterness and consternation, that even though I was writing a sci-fi detective novel that was nearly 300 pages and counting, with each chapter diligently edited by my space engineer grandfather, these pages, this story, it was not good enough. It was not tough enough, it was not awesome enough to be a published masterpiece like my heroes Jeffrey Archer or John Steinbeck or Edward Albee put into the world. I wanted to be one of them. And even at 17, I felt like I was washed up. And while now, in my achy mid-thirties, I tend to listen to folky harmonizers, as a teen, I needed something harder, weirder, dirtier to match that buzzing brain. I needed the wine of R.E.M., the wails of Weezer and Green Day and no effects and Wilco. And what I love about Shovels and Rope is that even after they had two kids and after they put out five stellar records of originals and three stellar cover records, they never lost that punk rock spirit that's behind everything, that weirdo intensity that seems like it's going to break right out of the speakers if you turn it up a little louder. And even as Michael and Carrie Ann have ascended to the biggest stages on the Americana circuit, from Red Rocks to their own acclaimed High Water Fest in South Carolina, they always stick to their simple but potent formula, two people playing music in harmony, staring right at each other like their life depends on every matched word and every snare crash and every howling finale. Their live show, honestly, is something crazy to watch. They often switch back and forth between jangly acoustic and crunchy electric guitars, humming keyboards and pounding pianos, hopping from sweat-strewn stripped-down drum kits to aching accordions, and their joyous garage rock Americana keeps gaining them new fans each year worldwide. And I'll admit to you, they have been one of my all-time favorite groups from the moment I saw them. And sure, I'm supposed to be more objective, and my mom said today on her birthday, you know, you love all the bands you talk about on your weird little radio show, and yes, but Shovels and Rope are the reason I keep making music. For those tiny moments when the fire is burning within us. When that inner teenager who wants to make a name for himself in an impossible world gets to sing his song for everyone to hear. Anyway. I'm so glad I could share this music with you, no matter how old you are or where you're listening from. I appreciate you. And if you appreciate what we do here on this program, please leave us a review on iTunes. No one has said anything for a few months now, and I would love to hear if you're listening. And as always, please check us out on Instagram at show on the road podcast, where you can see exclusive at home acoustic performances like previous guests, Langhorne Slim, who played a song accompanied by his cat, Mr. Beautiful, from his house in Nashville. Okay, I'm gonna sign off there. Here they are now, my favorite harmonizers on planet earth, shovels I know and that
2: all it takes is your society
0: to make me
1: Please introduce yourselves for the radio audience uh, and uh, what you do and where you are.
0: Well, I'm Carrie Ann Hurst.
1: Uh I'm Michael Trent. We're Shovels and Rope.
2: We're in Charleston, Charleston South Carolina.
0: Charleston, South Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: It's weird doing these conversations so far away. Uh, I'm in Los Angeles, but there is a blessing to it. You know, I normally uh, maybe would never get the chance to talk to you guys, and when I first... Um, launched this little podcast about three years ago. I had a bucket list of the artists that I wanted to talk to one day and you were in the top five. Wow. Who else was in it? That's a great question. I think... Uh, <laughs> Who else was Lucinda in Will- <laughs> <it>? <laughs> <laughs> What was our uh, ranking in that five? I think it was like Lucinda Williams, you know, some people that maybe wouldn't normally be heard from toon yards i'm super into um, oh yeah uh, i actually might talk to Merrill in a couple weeks um but um you don't have to say the i was mavis staples you. you know yeah abraham lincoln <laughs> yeah so you're celebrating the release of uh your newest busted jukebox slash busted juice box which came out uh february 5th and At first, when I heard that it was an album for kids, I was, like, disappointed. Because I was like, what about the adults? You know, why can't we get a new covers record from Shovels and Rope? And then I listened to the record. And uh, I want my kids to be the kids who would listen to this banger of a record.
0: Thank
2: you. Oh,
1: thanks.
0: Yeah, go ahead.
2: No, you go
1: ahead.
0: Well, um, it was definitely, like, for the kids, See she just winked. On the po- on the podcast.
1: Oh, can't, uh, you can't winked. see that on radio. She <laughs> winked heavily. Go ahead. Winked
0: really dramatically, It um, just kind of, um, you know, make something that it's, it's, it's it was inspired by uh, all the kind of weird new music that's living in in our repertoire, repertoire um, and all the kind of like songs that started tugging on our heartstrings from our own childhood. But the way that Michael structured the record is like really interesting and exciting. And it was uh, a a dream come true to get Sharon Van Etten to sing Beach Boys with us. I mean, we did not expect her to say yes to us. And she was like, let's do it. And it was so much fun.
1: It feels like it should be directed to the angstiest kids out there. And I feel like there are a lot of angsty kids. I mean, there's been a lot of troubling statistics coming out of uh, a whole generation of kids being stuck behind their computers and the D.A., of San Francisco is actually suing the San Francisco school district to get schools open again, so kids can like stop going crazy at home. But I feel like if they listen to your version of "In My Room," they could at least blow off some steam and feel a little better. I, feel that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I feel that. yeah. Feel that.
2: We have two young kids 2 and 5 and um then I mean, they're stuck in the house all day and we are <laughs> feeling it for the for the parents for sure uh of of young kids it's just like the madness that happens between just even in a I don't know 8 hour time period is like is uh it will undo you mm-hmm. but it it is hard right now, but it it's like I don't know. It's one of those things that um, you got you embrace it. You just get in it, and it's like the the most hilarious things will happen throughout the day, and the and the the most insane things. And I feel like if your uh, life is like a balloon, like our balloon is really blown up tight right now you know like <laughs> a lot of life is going on inside of the balloon skin and um and and why not like I love it mm-hmm. I think it's great
0: that said I feel like childless people should really enjoy their lives and like maximize for those of like who who like, I'm perfectly happy in the parent zone but I love living vicariously through other people's things and we have Childless friends that endure us because sometimes childless people, they're like the childfulness of their other friends' life can sometimes be exhausting, maybe. But, Uh like, those, um, you know, those are the best aunts and uncles, and they bring a wealth of support and like cool vibes to the family life from the outside. So, enjoy your childless life, please.
1: Did you test run songs from this? record on your kids as like a mini test audience
2: no not really but um we did ever since our daughter was um was really little we always played the Beach Boys for her and um we're always trying she's never been a great sleeper and so um I wasn't a great sleeper um (laughs) In my teens, like all the way, I, I just I had trouble sleeping. I had nightmares and stuff, and um, and I've i started playing the Beach Boys and to go to sleep to, and it was just it was kind of the best. And so we um, we tried that out on her, and um, and then I feel like we you know fell in love with those songs even more, you know. And it's, plus we had the attachment of the memories of us singing, singing those songs to her. And, um, yeah, it was just, like, kind of became a special thing. And then some of them, like, she's, she's on the record. She sings uh, on uh, You Are My Sunshine, and she does, um, like, I, she's talking in the middle of um, What a Wonderful World. Like, I'm trying to work mm. out a little... Uh, toy piano thing, and then she <laughs> busts in. It's like starts telling me what to do. She's a micromanager micromanager. <laughs> and um, yeah, so she's kind of all over it. And it was I don't know. I mean, it it, it feels special to capture some of that stuff um, forever.
0: You know.
1: Where did you guys each grow up?
0: I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, via Mississippi. But uh, my, <clears throat> I was in Nashville until I came to Charleston at eighteen, and I've been all my adult life here in Charleston.
2: I grew up in Colorado. My family's from Texas, <clears throat> and um, I have older older brothers and sisters. Like. Um, quite a bit older, and they more or less grew up in Texas, and then we moved to Colorado. Um, I don't really know why. I guess my a job thing with my dad. Plus, they like to ski, and um, and so they they started. They were like, this, <laughs> like the like the the Texans on the snow slope, on the slopes, you know,
0: cowboy hats, <laughs> bombing, <that. laughs> <Yeehaw>! yeah, hit uh,
1: me. <laughs> but I grew up in in Denver mostly. And you guys, you know, for people who don't know, had and continue to have your own solo music for many years. You know, I think people, when they see these um, fully formed duos, they're like, well, this is what they've always done, right? They didn't exist before Shovels and Rope as completely different musical entities. But you guys, you know, really were on the road crisscrossing the country on you know, trying to pursue your own solo careers for many years. And then about 2008 was the first uh, Shovels and Rope record, we, right? We made that in 2008, but we were still in our separate
2: things. So um, we did it just for fun. You know, like we were kind of getting sick of our, you know, our, our projects, banging our heads against the wall um, with the things that we were doing. And, you know, we were still in it and we still loved it. But um, this was just something fun to do. And, um, you know, that was totally not like the other things that we were doing.
0: Fast forward, we got married, and we we're like, well, we've been gigging around Charleston, paying our bills. I don't really want my career to be, like, awesome and me not be with you. And you, if you get, you know, we're going to be on separate tours, that's lame. And so we turned the act into sho- the shovels and ropes. Touring thing, and we're like, let's just work this out and see where it goes. I mean, we've got nothing to lose, and uh, and it kind of we've just been on the road pretty much since after our honeymoon. We basically hit the road and high fived and made a band, and did and that's it.
2: Yeah, it was like we've you know worked really hard at the other things that we were doing for a long time, and then um, we kind of did this just. You know' we're like, I don't know, let's just put it throw it together. it'll be fun and then um
0: let's do a lot of ego <laughs> sucking up too like.
2: <laughs> and people like this thing more than they like <laughs> the other things that we were that, that we had put some like some years into and we got a bunch of luck like right off the mm-hmm. right off the get and then we were we could travel easy we just you know we one bank account and we slept in our van and it's everything was easy and we just kind of we brought our dog and we, you know, if we could make enough money to, uh, you know, to, if we sold enough in, enough T-shirts that night or whatever, then, um, then we could get a hotel room, and we were kind of just staying out
1: of the red, and it was fun. Mm-hmm. So fun. You know, your song, Birmingham, is basically like your origin story as a song, but it also feels like a mission statement, you know, especially that line... You ain't what you got, it's what you make, that you have to sacrifice everything to keep making the stuff, you know, and that is what's worth it in some way. And I'm curious if you felt like uh, it was really going to work long term.
2: It had to work. We didn't have anything in the beginning.
1: <laughs> you know, there was like the stakes were
2: the
0: stakes were low. The
2: stakes were low. <laughs> The only thing that, you know, I mean, it was a little bit difficult to throw our, you know, kind of just change, like throw the things that we were doing or just, you know, just move them to the side and be like, okay, let's, let's try this. (laughs) You play drums sometimes and, uh, you, and I'll, and then I'll play guitar and then I'll play drums sometimes. But I don't play play (laughs) drums.
0: That's okay. It'll be fine. I don't play drums either. (laughs) (laughs) Delta mama and a jack man Raised her Cumberland daughter in a Tennessee band Played bring water station in Couldn't play fast, couldn't fit in Called a 66 Dodge in Carolina Got her education on her mama's dime He was singing in a bar called Comatose, halfway rusted on a salty coast. Rock of ages, cleave for me. Let me hide myself in. you said that, i never really been like, yeah, that's like an ethos that kind of, if you were setting up the graphic novel of Shovels and Rope, it would definitely be like, you know, Birmingham expanded, uh, but, and I guess that would be like the moral of the story all day.
1: Well, I can hear that Neil Young influence in that song with the sort of the da-da-da-da-da. You can hear like... Old Man, or you could hear almost like that whole Harvest record sort of filtering in the background of that song. You know, you've created now three covers records. Do you ever fear that um, people will find your versions of other people's music first and not uh, pay attention to your own work, which is so moving to so many people? Or is it is a gateway to your other work? It's almost just like... That you can't you can't control anything you know and
2: also everything's free and so um, if anybody stumbles upon us uh, stumbles upon anything that we had put out there um, it's a win yes. and I might not have felt like that 10 years ago um, we, maybe we're a little' we're a little bit more precious about everything but it's just it's like there's so much out there that you Um, you know we just make stuff and put it out and hopefully you know uh, people will find it and we've been lucky
1: enough to have a to like
0: we have a receptive audience have a fan
1: base yeah they
0: let us get away with so much
1: (laughs) but Unknown Legend is such a great almost reimagined version that it's uh, almost risen I think to a new level like sometimes a cover can become its own thing right this is, like, part of your repertoire now. Like, Neil Young is like an angel on your shoulder in a way. Well, she's been running The point. this thing live which uh, is really a wonder to behold if people haven't seen them on stage um, they often face each other directly right which I've never really seen with a lot of uh, duos you guys at least on festivals where I've seen you guys you face your drums the keys the guitars your whole setup so you're not necessarily facing the audience you're like mad dogging each other in the eye right in the middle of the stage. And it's like both romantic and also like scary to watch cuz like you never break the focus the whole time and your harmonies are so intertwined almost every word of every song is so connected that I'm almost like waiting for the fuck up and then it doesn't come. <laughs> I'm like they're going oh, to they're going to have to like mess up <laughs> some of these times. How can they be that connected? But you aren't looking at the crowd, you're looking at each other, which is super unique for me.
2: Yeah, we are t- we are t- uh, 11 years married. There's a lot going on in there. Uh, <laughs> day to day, it could be t- completely different. I mean, you can imagine. Like we are,
0: we have to play even if we're fighting.
2: Yeah, <laughs> we're like, and it's the, we got. There's a lot of stuff going on. We have kids on the road. Uh, you know, I I do feel like we've always kind of been able to sing together. Uh, that was just a thing that we were we we were pretty dialed right from the beginning probably because uh, we both love we grew up liking you know, harmony singing um, from you know, uh, country folk music to like the Beatles and the Beach Boys and um, all the that i3s. stuff. i3s. Yeah, we just uh, just like that kind of like that style and then we um, when we will sing a song for a really long time over years and years it kind of changes we don't know who's on the harmony or who's on the melody we just kind of move around and um, I don't know I guess that's a thing that's kind of fun and keeps it From being boring, you know, it keeps it just kind of fresh. It'd be really That's our fru- trick.
0: It'd be frustrating if, if for other people. If we had more than two people in the band, it would probably become an annoying thing to the other bandmates.
2: If there was a third singer, they would be enraged. <laughs> like, what, what are you doing?
0: You are both stepping on my part.
1: <laughs> what was your initial uh, thought about the other person when you first saw them sing or play live? <laughs>
2: Carrie was playing uh, in this bar called Fluids. Um, Yeah, it's not there anymore. We should
0: just not say the name of that (laughs) bar. You could just say Carrie Ann was playing in a bar. It's,
2: yeah, it helps with the the imagery. But it's like, um, yeah, we had, my band at the time was on tour with Jump Little Children who lived in Charleston. We'd never been to Charleston before. And so the way that their tours would work is they would go out for like uh, Thursday through Saturday and then Thursday through Sunday. And then they'd come back to Charleston for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And we were living in Denver. So we came came out here to Charleston and then we would just, they introduced us to people and we crashed on people's couches and whatever. And um, so a couple of those guys played in Carrie's band um, at at fluids on Sunday nights, and we went in there and um, we couldn't see her because it's just like you stand on the in, you stand on in the corner of the bar, so it's just heads. But I heard of a, a, like a huge voice, and um, it sounded like it was smiling, and um, and then um, when I finally did uh, see who was. Who was singing? It was like this, you know, little five-two, redheaded, um, you know.
0: Your guitar, used to look really big on me. Yeah, Hands, big, big,
2: <laughs> and um, and I was just like, oh my God, this, she's this is amazing. That her voice was just really timeless, and it sounded like old-timey music. But they were like also playing Beatles songs and Elvis Costello songs, and um, and you know, and. Just, like classics and stuff, but, um, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, Michael came along at a moment in my life where I was, had grown up in a folk tradition and had kind of had that language and that those, you know, those traditions were just kind of what I felt like I, I just kind of was and I was seeking something else and I wanted to pursue rock and roll and understand rock and roll when michael showed up in our small town all all this very striking looking bandmates and and uh kind of <clears throat> i liked their sound cuz it was melody driven Beatles melody style kinks melody style rock and roll um that was like that same era where it, where we i we were into like um the Hives and the Strokes and White Stripes. A really great second wave of great American alternative music or whatever. Um, and so I just really, really liked their band and wanted that rock and roll for myself. So I started kind of like hanging out and learning about what kind of records they liked and what kind of... Learned who Big Star was. Learned like all the stuff that I hadn't been exposed to <clears throat> And this is before Spotify, where you could just learn about anything. Um, so it just felt like I had a window into a vein of music that, if I just hung around these guys, I would learn um, and, and enjoy, you know, that kind of uh, musical uh, aesthetic. So that's what happened. And then uh, I used to, we there was this amazing restaurant that. They must have had a terrible business plan because they let they fed us filet mignon and bottles of red wine and paid us well and they did that for bands like every night of the week. I can't imagine. Their accountant was, was. probably furious. Yeah, it was like the only night of the week we would we, we all ate well. But um, we would all just go every night to watch each other's bands and it was just like the hottest, cool summer. And from then on out, me and Michael were just um, a team, what like our relationship developed. But we just kind of like, well, I'm g- you're rock and roll and I'm country and we'll let's blend our harmonies and we started getting gigs and it was just felt it was just so much fun to do it. We didn't have to be that good at guitar because the songs were really good and you could sing really well and he was good enough at guitar to like we could pull it off, you know. Our dog is going crazy <laughs> out there. Do you
2: hear our dog? Um, <clears throat> it sounds like a seal is, uh got its flipper in some
1: trap under a rock. Our neighbors probably
0: hate it. Uh, excuse me, just you hold it down. I got to go let the dog Okay,
1: half. sorry. Don't
0: say anything really.
1: The specificity of some of the lyrics that you come up with in these songs are um, what draws me to your music through the years over and over again. Um, as a writer, I like to see these very specific love stories that happen and there's this song off of a uh, swimming time, which I got super into recently, uh, Marianne and one-eyed Dan. It's such a weird ass song. And I just kept playing it the last few days. Do you remember what that song was, uh, coming from?
2: <laughs> I was in the garage. Uh, I was work like cleaning out our garage. I remember spending a lot of time in there. Um, and, I don't know as it, it was just, um, I, see, I've, I don't have a great story about it. It was like, maybe there was fumes in the garage, um, that, that I inhaled, um, and then started being like, Oh, wouldn't it be funny to make a song like this about this guy with, um, with one eye, Mary Ann ra- rhymes with Carrie Anne. That's funny. Maybe I'll start it out like that. Um, and
0: Maybe there were gas fumes in the garage. <laughs> Maybe there were gas fumes.
2: Yeah, I and um it was almost just like I think I, at that point I was kind of at a um I was at a like a place where um, I was feeling really creative and also really like um had like a nice balance of of t- not caring, like don't really give a fuck, and also feeling really creative and juiced about like um, writing songs. Like and so it, letting
0: yourself write things that you might been like, man.
2: Yeah. yeah, it was like didn't take it seriously at all. And then at the end of it, it was kind of like, oh, that's that's kind of good.
1: I like it. You gotta give no fucks to write the best songs, maybe.
2: I guess you know sometimes if you just, it's just like you can be your own. You know, if you if you tell yourself too quickly in the process that your idea is no good or, like, it's too weird or something, then, um, you know, you'll never get to find out. Well, Mary. Mary Ann was a waitress at the circus And sure. Dan was a writer for the Delaware Locale Observer Just 21 and just two months out of the service
0: Missing, Missing half an eyelid, so he had to wear a patch today and she, she said, said
1: song starts for you guys is it is it coming from a notebook that one of you have and then you share it with the other or are you guys collaborating from moment one
0: 90% of the time we uh, have our own little notebooks we all scratch in and when it's we have like a time period that we set aside to meet each other with the pile of ideas And workshop those ideas together to find the most uh, the ideas we're the most excited about. And then we flesh out the songs as a team. And once the songs are written and we have like a scratch version of them, Michael develops Mm -hmm. the arrangement and kind of all that from there. Um, But most of the time, and especially before we had children, we just didn't really know how to write together. Michael's really good at co-writing with others. I've never really messed with it. And now... We have it's all about time management and um, it so it really behooves our process to like get a sitter for ten days and hole up in the studio and just dedicate our uh, our time to you know cooking cooking it all together. But the rest we just we have totally different writing routines and creative practices.
1: Some of the songs on the new record, which in theory is directed towards maybe rock and roll parents with their kids um, feel like a little bit too real right now. You know, Everybody Hurts, for example, um, which I think is what is an REM song, right? Mm -hmm. You know, when you guys are embodying a song like that, because it feels so raw when you guys do it, are you drawing from a certain painful memory in your past growing up or is it something that you're just trying to pay homage to the song and how it was written?
2: In, in that case, when we had the idea of making a, a kid's record, sort of, we were like, well, how about Everybody Hurts? What if that was seen through the eyes of a child instead of, you know, I mean, it's like a heavy song about suicide and- um...
0: it almost reminds me of like when I lost a family member when I was six years old and the way that they explained to me what it is like when somebody passes away, it's like really a frank conversation that like breaches difficult material with kids but everybody is born, everybody dies, everybody experiences joy and sorrow and in that song, it's kind of an interesting way to be like, here, let me break it to you gently, kid. (laughs) Yeah. It's a tough world, but we got you. We love you, and it's okay to cry. (laughs) Totally.
1: Everybody hurts sometimes. When people think of kids, they think like, oh, like elementary school, kindergarten. But like, you're really a kid into your mid-twenties in a way, right? We're not fully developed or have any awareness of what is really happening in the world, how to deal with our emotions, how to control ourselves, how to, um, really see where we are going to end up in the world. And so for me, like this as a kid's album feels almost more for teenagers who are just experiencing first love, first death, first, uh, just emotional upheaval that you have. Um, what were you guys like as teenagers? Were you rebellious? Were you uh, emotionally crazy? Like, what was going on when you were both teenagers?
0: I, I was a mess. I was really sweet. I loved my parents, and I had a great home life. But um, I've always just had a very specific vision for my own destiny, and I was a willful child. And... Um, I came from a divorced family and had a great stepdad, but I was always had a chip on my shoulder. And, uh, you know, I came from a priv- like a pretty privileged middle-class household where music was made like, go be a musician, here, have a college education. Uh, but I was surly, and when I left home at 17, 18, to go to college, I kinda really never had an intention of ever going back home. And that was not not necessarily inc- consistent with the expectations of my family, but Michael's the prize at the end of the cereal box oh. <laughs> what kind of what kind of asshole were you michael
2: <laughs> rotten i was rotten I was a rotten teenager um i'm s- I'm sad about oh. that now whoops uh, because I know that I've got it coming you know but um I, I was like i I was in a religious school. I was always in trouble because you get in trouble for anything at um at the at the christian school and I was an angsty teen um I d- discovered music and concerts and like nine inch nails and like um you know I had my backpack had a lot of um graffiti on it <laughs> and um and my dad had a really great sense of humor, kind of, t- kind of dark and dry, and um, and and I like that. And I learned music mostly from him, so we definitely had our um, our ups and downs. But um, we,
1: yeah, teen teen years were were pretty rough around my house. When you see your little ones starting to form their own personalities, do you see yourselves? as young people coming out in there, Yes,
0: yes, yes, Uh, ever so much, yes. Our daughter is an amazing animal, and uh, (laughs) she's very much like uh, a mix of us. She's a little bit surlier than me. Uh, She's got a willful personality, and, and she's very much like got a plan my girlfriend is a Virgo and she's got a Leo baby and I'm a Leo with a Virgo baby. And so my Virgo friend told me, for the rest of your life, your daughter's gonna be directing the play that is your life. Like, she's got it she's <laughs> blocked and all you gotta do is say the lines and as asked you to deliver them and everything's gonna be fine. That's very much, we have a d- dictatorial five-year-old who speaks like a 14-year-old girl with all the sass and she can cut eyes but that's going to be a challenge, but we do know, on the other side of that, she's going to be a powerful, incredibly strong, uh, articulate woman who um, will will suffer n- no bullshit from anybody. So that's <laughs> that's good. And our son is just like a mo- a fun monkey that wants to get in trouble, but he's exactly like joyful and laughy, but all of the naughtiness. All of the naughtiness that it is. it's kind of, this is coming is coming home to roost. So many trips to the ER are going to be made. Like I just, it's going to be a thing. I just.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a thing to watch them and be like, oh my god. <clears throat> if you're, you know, you see all the things that that you were, and you and you can tell already what they're probably going to do when they, um, you know, they're like super they're like superheroes that don't know how to wield their their powers yet and so there's going to be a lot of be a lot of destruction um but you gotta shape
0: that bonsai tree gotta you gotta you got a wild tree you just gotta yeah groom it it the way you want it to grow yeah
1: (sighs) that is a segue to a question I like to ask what do you feel like the other person's superpower is if they were a superhero
0: I feel like Michael has an incredible sense of smell, like in real life superhero power. He can he has very specific super smell. smell, He can identify very specific notes. Um, He can also remember every gas station that we ever stopped at in the history of our touring (laughs) life. Um, But if he if we were like making up the superpower, that would be like an allegory for him. I feel like he would be... Um, he's like an ant man. He's got physical strength that belies his compact size. <laughs> he is uh, like... Um, or he might be like a spie—like a spider man type of guy because he's a very agile, wall-climbing kind Span- of creature. Spant man. Spant man. There you go. What's mine?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, p- first, uh, I was going to... St- I was thinking, of, uh, like, I was going down an emotional road in my mind, just like, um, the thing that encompasses you, you know, it's not just, a, not just like, a, a physical attribute, it's like, Carrie has a, um, but then you started talking about my super smell, <laughs> and I was, and, uh, my super memory, you have a super, uh, a super forgetfulness that's, I feel like, is enviable, like, um,
1: Carrie can forget anything. <laughs> you remember all the gas stations, and she doesn't need to remember them.
0: I just live in a state match. of just kind of blissful in the momentude.
1: She's got super
2: forgetfulness, and <laughs> also, but like
0: forget she, all suffering.
2: She's she also has a, a power to, um, make people feel good. Like p- makes like make people in a in a room feel good. She's di- she's dialed in. Um. And she can—that's like, you know, part of the reason why she's a, why she's a great performer. But like, it, you know, in real life, if there's um, if there was somebody that was over here that was um, that we were hanging out with, and she could hone in and tell that that person needed a friend to talk to um, about she could tell that something was wrong with that, that person that they needed to talk and she'll hang out and stay uh, stay up and let that person she'll
1: just like you know let that person unload I got and a
0: wide emotional
1: bandwidth you probably don't remember this because you forget everything but you were there for me one time accidentally we were both playing a festival in Denmark big stage my guitar like exploded for no reason, like two strings just blew off, and like the second song, so it was like really bad timing, and you ran backstage, found a guitar, maybe it was your guitar, and then handed it to me, and saved the set. And I sweated all over that guitar really badly, and I'm sorry yeah. for that.
0: Yes, it's well, it's still there to this day. Nothing we own has ever been wiped down, so
1: <laughs> yeah. that's why
0: you're never an ass no to anybody for any reason because you got like that. You kind, might be on their podcast. You might be on your po- podcast and I'll
2: call you out. Uh,
0: <laughs> no, thank. I actually, like all joking aside, I, that is that is a really kind thing to say, and I think that's my most important. I'm like determined to just like be the easiest person that you have to deal with. If you're having a shitty day, I want to be the like, give, um, I, I love to pass out really sincere compliments to people. It's probably kind of weird to some people, but I, I really love, I think it's cause I need and like a lot of affirmation. I hand out a lot of affirmation and encouragement and people.
1: What do you guys do? When you are in conflict with each other, but you have to perform, like how does that work?
0: I feel like uh, we have an agreement. We basically are really good at taking, like, just take a pause. Nothing that we're fighting about, kind of can't wait, or we'll just be mad for the first three songs, and I'm over it by then. I'm really good, also, at just like letting, like, getting really mad and being letting it go. And not being mad anymore about it,
2: but yeah, <clears throat> I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of compartmentalizing that you do on the road, just in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody kind of has to. You put things in their little in little drawers, and um, and you know, I mean, we've definitely had we've been in all kinds of crazy situations over the years being on the road, and also and also with kids. It's like the 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 circumstances that you find yourselves in are are just like what mm-hmm. what's happening and um, I don't know I th- I do think that having a, a sense of humor is is key you kind of have to when everything is so ridiculous and you have you know you're like grabbing you know like uh like a child's turd out of a toilet, while you're in your suit, you know, getting ready to go on stage, and like you doggy bag that sucker, and you s- spritz your hands with uh, with some sani, and then just glide out onto the stage, and you know, toss it in the dumpster, <laughs> and just <laughs> and then grab your guitar. It's like that all the time, just different versions of that, and um i I don't know, I love it. I think that it's you know it's like the Griswolds because so something insane is, tap. Al- is always happening, and um and mm-hmm. you know you deal with it, and you also know that it's not the biggest thing in the world, and that um that you know you're there to to like. Get on stage and make these make people happy, and they all had the most insane thing happen to them probably on the way to the show as well and um <clears throat> I don't know we just kind of like just embrace embrace it embrace the the insanity and like um, laugh at it.
0: I always want to tell people what's on the inside of our wedding rings when we have these conversations. It's also about time we gotta like go get our kids pretty soon. Yeah. But um, I always love to say, um, so we have we have some silver wedding rings that were made by our friend in New Orleans. And I, she said, what did you want them to say? And I said, I want them to say, I'm with stupid forever with an arrow pointing to Michael. And he has one that says, I'm with stupid forever with an arrow pointing to me. And I just feel like that, that little inside joke has brought me, like, Millions of laughs. I laugh at it every time I think about it, and um, obviously, i we neither of us thinks either of us is stupid or that life is stupid, but it is is hilarious and completely ridiculous.
1: <laughs> well, you have to find common ground sometimes in the most absurd places, you know. And if there's one thing I miss about being on the road and and going town to town, bringing your stories to new people, it's that like sense of camaraderie with a band that you're all in this adventure together you know and I feel like your song come on Utah captures that a bit to me where it's like if we could just get over that state line like everything's gonna be better like we're gonna feel like new people like you know we'll leave Colorado and and all that baggage behind us but like Utah is gonna be like like the new beginning
0: I was thirsty, I was lost I was hanging on a cross I was dying to make it back to Colorado Bones in a saddle I was weary from the battle The path was much too difficult to follow Well, come on, Utah
1: could play one place in the country right now, one venue for your first real show back, where would it be?
0: You know what I'm going to say, and I feel like it's... What? Oh, well, it's Mardi Gras Day right now. Just speaking like in today, if we were going to play a show anywhere, because it's Mardi Gras Day and it's not normal, it's not Mardi Gras like normal, I would love to be playing uh, Tipitinas with all my friends tonight at 11 o'clock at night which is way too late for us and we would be having such a good time um, and my other alternate would be I love the parody so in Amsterdam I can't wait to get back there
2: yeah <clears throat> I don't know I'd just be happy to uh, I'd be happy Any if, place. if the if these places don't close down. I've had first, you know, first Avenue has been on my mind a lot lately uh, in Minneapolis, and I I don't know what the latest is with that club. I don't know if they're you know if they're gonna make it. I'm sure they're gonna make it. I hope they're gonna make it. But like I'm pretty um, sure
0: they're one of the org- the clubs that's headed up the the National Independent Venue Association that lobbied uh, for the Restart Act that they finally passed. So hopefully, they survived long enough to receive the money they fought so hard to save their business with.
1: Yeah,
2: um, I don't, I've just been thinking about them, and I hope that I hope they're doing all right, and
1: I hope we get to play there again sometime.
0: The 9.30 in D.C., hope we get to play there again.
1: Yeah, there's just something special, I think, about some of these, I think they're holy places in our country that maybe are not appreciated as sort of church-like places, you know, because for us, I think the music that is born in these rooms, like First Avenue where Prince played, uh, Tipitina's where so many great New Orleans groups played, you know, you guys have played Red Rocks, you know, there's a vortex of energy that uh, is not shining right now. All those places that uh, were sharing this love and energy are dark, and, it ha- and they have been for a year, you know, we're going on a year.
0: It's crazy to quantify, like, the gigs that didn't get played, the songs that didn't get sung, the the energy of applause that didn't go out into the world, I mean, who knows what kind of cosmic effects that kind of stuff will have.
1: <laughs> Is there a song as we uh, let you go and get your kids, is there a song that you would love to play first? You know, the first song that you can really play for your fans. Well,
0: I ca- well it's not fair to bust out with a brand new song at our fans, but my, I, there, we have a song that to me, like we, it's one of those songs, like after everybody's been sitting in a dark spot, I could just hear like the guitar chord of it. And all the light, you know? The, like, light. Not the lights of the stage, but, like, people coming back alive. I feel like Domino is going to be a song that does that for us. But I don't know. What do you think? Like, I feel like I'm Coming Out would be a natural choice because it's just a song about coming out of dark places and, like, coming back to life or coming into the world.
2: I don't I don't know. I really don't know. It's, like, hard to imagine and it...
0: make like a set list.
2: It... it, it it makes me it it makes me feel I don't know I, I, how how many feelings are going to be happening then i mean I mean for any of us who do this to to do that in front of people, and it's like we're happy and excited and relieved and you know all the people that hopefully that hopefully are there um will be experiencing those same, those same things, and um, I just don't know. I mean, it,
1: it like makes me uh, sad and happy at the same time. Well, I'm really glad that you uh, are still creating beautiful music even through this dark time, and uh, anybody who has uh, that inner child, the inner angsty teenager, the inner rebellious 20-something, I think we're all kids, even if we're uh, having kids, even if we're raising kids. And I think uh, this Busted Juice Box record you just put out um, is really a moving piece of, I think, modern uh, connection between parent and and kid. And uh, I'd love to take us out with the uh, collaboration you did with M. Ward, uh, My Little Buckaroo, because it's such a sweet campfire vibe. Um, I don't even have kids, but I wish I could, like, play that song around a campfire in Big Sur or something for a little kid. Um, And if you could tell yourself as a kid something right now as we uh, send you off, what would you tell yourself?
0: Man, I would do what I... Uh, I would wrap my arms around little me, give me a big hug and say sometimes things are hard and sometimes things are easy, but it's all going to change and we got you and you're, you've you got love in the universe and and you're part of the great cosmic one, you know, so... And then they'd roll their eyes at me and be like, Mom, <laughs> so dumb, God. Um, <laughs> Adult carry, God.
2: <sighs> <laughs> uh, don't take it too seriously. Don't take anything too seriously, I don't think. I think you gotta be able to have a lightness about you with kind of whatever you are doing and, um, you know, w- w- whatever kind of job you have or whatever kind of. Um, social situation you're in I feel like uh, a little bit of simple and easy goes
1: a long way it ain't what you got, it's what you make go to sleep my little buckaroo soon you're gonna ride the range
0: like grown up cowboys do now it's time That
1: we're rounding up a dream or two So go to sleep My little buggeroo Don't you know it's time for bed Another day is through big thanks to Carrie Ann and Michael for talking to me. Uh, They had to reschedule their interview about three or four times because when you have two kids running around during the pandemic, it is hard to get quiet and do a podcast, so I really appreciate them talking to me. And you can support them by getting their newest record, Busted Jukebox Volume 3. Uh, It is for adults, kids, teenagers, angsty people of all ages. And just last year, they put out a really cool deluxe edition of their record of originals by Blood, so check that out. Speaking of which, if you go to our mother the bluegrass situation.com, you'll see that they did a really cool article about Come On Utah, the acoustic version, which came out on that deluxe by Blood record. As we uh, hurdle towards March, we are approaching the one year mark of when all of us touring musicians were sent home indefinitely. And if you want to support your favorite bands like my group Dust Bowl Revival, please get some merch online, some t shirts, some vinyl, send them to your friends, or Go to Bandcamp.com to get the music without any fees being taken away. Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, it's a great way to discover music, but it does not help support the bands that you love. If you want to support this podcast directly, please go to PayPal and donate to znlupitin at gmail.com. As always, this podcast is written, produced, and edited by yours truly, Zach Lupitin, and we are part of the BGS Podcast Network. Stay creative, stay safe, and we'll see you on the trail. Hi, I'm Daniela
2: Clark. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are the Honest AF Show